0: And on this week's show, we take a look at the draw for the 2023 Africa Cup of Nations, with Senegal, Cameroon and Guinea all drawn in the same group. Also, we analyse the plans of CAF to launch an African club association in December. And we hear from Zimbabwe midfielder Marvellous Nakamba, one of the key players at newly promoted Luton Town. This is what everyone
1: dreams of in the club, this is what the club wants, so we just have to keep on competing and giving everything and keep on believing. That's coming up later, can Nakamba help
0: Luton to stay in the English Premier League? Lots more on the EPL too. Can Spurs and Arsenal challenge for the title with Manchester City currently in third place? Let's start off with the draw for the 2023 Africa Cup of Nations Finals, which take place in Ivory Coast in January and February of next year. Uh, The draw was made in Ivory Coast on Thursday night. And a very interesting 24 teams drawn into six groups of four. There are 12 former champions in there and uh, Ivory Coast in Group A alongside Nigeria, Equatorial Guinea and Guinea-Bissau. The top two teams qualify automatically for the round of 16 and the four best third place teams also go through. In Group B, there's Egypt, there's Ghana, Cape Verde and Mozambique. So two very big guns in there, along with Cape Verde, who have had some decent outings at the Nations Cup. Uh, Group C, Senegal, Cameroon, Guinea and the Gambia. So that looks like a really tough group there. And the Gambia doing so well at their debut AFCON last time. It's going to be tough for them, surely, to get out of the group stage. But uh, we shall see. Uh, Group D has Algeria Kina Faso, Mauritania there again, and Angola. In Group E, there's Tunisia, Mali, South Africa, and Namibia. Looks like a really tough group there with Namibia probably out of their depth. And uh, you'd have to say that Tunisia, Mali, and South Africa all have a chance of going far at the tournament. Uh, Group F has team of the moment, Morocco, the World Cup semi-finalists, up against DR Congo, Zambia, and Tanzania. So that's another tough group as well. Uh, so there we are that's how the draw is looking asking for your thoughts your reaction on social media this week uh, what do you think about the AFCON draw uh, Senegal Cameroon and Guinea all together in group C Egypt and Ghana in group B together uh, Tunisia Mali and South Africa in group E and a group F looks tough too with Morocco DR Congo and Mali tell us what you think about the draw also which one you think is the group of death you can go to our Facebook page Planet Sport for Football Africa and post a comment there or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. What do you think about the draw for the twenty twenty three Africa Cup of Nations, which takes place in Ivory Coast in January and February of next year? Well, away from the Africa Cup of Nations draw, lots to talk about. It's been a busy week in African football. Uh, The draw was made for the 2023 CAF Women's Champions League on Monday. Remember, Ivory Coast are hosting, and the draw was conducted by two African women's football legends, uh, Fernanda Cheche of Ivory Coast and uh, Janine Van Vake of South Africa. She captained Banyana Banyana uh, to glory at the 2022 Women's Africa Cup of Nations. Uh, So the host, Athletic d'Abijan have been drawn in Group A, alongside the inaugural champions Mamelodi Sundowns, also their SC Casablanca of Morocco and JKT Queens of Tanzania. In Group B, the reigning champions AS Far of Morocco are there, alongside Ghana's Ampem D'Arcoa, Hurricanes of Equatorial Guinea and AS Mande of Mali. And the 2023 CAF Women's Champions League takes place from the 5th to the 19th of next month. And also the inaugural edition of the African Football League kicks off next weekend with the quarter-final matches. And CAF has unveiled Visit Saudi as the main sponsor of the African Football League. There's been much speculation about where the money's going to come from for this competition. And it looks as though Visit Saudi are going to be underwriting a lot of the expenses. So there's eight teams in the African Football League, starting with the quarterfinal first legs on the 20th of this month. That's next week. And the final on the 11th of November. Uh, CAF say the partnership between the African Football League and Visit Saudi represents a significant milestone for African football and for Saudi tourism, uh, creating a bridge and a partnership between two worlds that share a profound passion for football. Uh, Much more on the African Football League on next week's show. Well, next here on Planet Sport, Football Africa, brought to you by a Passion for Sport and an interesting move, CAF say they will launch an African Club Association in December. Uh, the CAF president, Patrice Motsepe, last week met with the chairman and senior representatives of the 60 most successful and biggest football clubs in Africa uh, to talk about the African Club Association, which will aim to protect and promote the interest of African football clubs uh, to help to ensure that they are profitable and commercially viable and to help to develop young talent uh, tell us more ida right steve those
2: are their objectives and CAF also said that the aca will work on match integrity at different levels and it will develop partnerships with sponsors the private sector and governments as well to build stadiums that do comply with fifa standards so steve the aca will be launched in december that's the plan by CAF. And this initial meeting was virtual. While well, that shall be in person. But before then, the plan is to appoint a statutes committee that will feature one appointee per CAF zonal union. And they will draft the proposed statutes. Now, that should happen within 10 days of the ACA virtual meeting. So after that will be the General Assembly, as we've said in December. It will happen where they will adopt the statutes, elect the chairman, other office bearers, as well as the executive committee or the Exco. Steve, in Europe, they do have a similar format. They have the European Club Association or ECA of which president of the French Ligue 1 club, Paris Saint-Germain, is currently the president. So CAF might follow a similar template here. We'll see. But Steve, just to quickly add some perspective, though, on the issue of the European Super League, for example, the ECA took a very firm stand against. So we will wait to see if the ACA will be equally independent on different issues, However, I will not blame those who will be a bit sceptical of that.
0: (laughs) Indeed, yeah, it is a noble idea. But uh, can CAF be able to have this impact with these clubs that they're talking of, Ida?
2: Well, only time will tell, you know. I mean, some would say that, save for the continental club competitions, that CAF hasn't really given club football as much regular face-to-face attention as it has with national-level football. So hopefully this will have some benefits as well. Who knows? But I do believe that timing is also big here, Steve. That the ACA will be launched so soon after the inaugural African Football Club competition, which plans on expanding, it does say something. And I could be wrong, but I do think that this is part of a holistic approach to club football in Africa by CAF. And who knows? This might even be used to sway decisions in the future. I mean, they saw the sort of pushback they got initially with the AFL. And they might be looking to avoid that on future ideas by bringing the clubs more under their wing and therefore more under their control.
0: Mm, right. <laughs> Intriguing. And this initial meeting, it was with the 60 most successful African clubs, CAF. Uh, uh, but to be honest, many of those giant clubs have faded. And we have quite a few newer clubs are coming up uh, who can compete either.
2: Well, Steve, you know, the thing is, we actually don't know the clubs involved. I mean, we know there was a meeting with 60 of them. We know that the official launch is happening in December. But in terms of exactly who these clubs are, what the criteria was in selecting them, well, that information hasn't been made public, at least yet, you know? And it does remind me of how CAF similarly handled the African Football League, no? I mean, for quite a while there, we asked who the clubs participating were. And it wasn't until something like, you know, three months to the tournament or even less this year that the public found out. And I personally don't know why CAF has taken on this strategy, you know, seemingly the strategy of secrecy, if you will, because it goes hand in hand with zero accountability, no checks and balances, no measures. Because also with inviting 60 clubs to a virtual meeting, you know, then the secret of who is involved or at least one or two people involved is going to come out one way or another, you know. For example, we know that clubs like Lobby Stars of Nigeria were invited. So it would be good to know what the criteria of determining Africa's 60 biggest clubs is. Because as you've said, you know, we've seen clubs come and go over the last few decades. You look at a club like Ghana's Asante Kotoko, for example, and yes, sure, might not be too big now. But I don't think anyone can talk about the history of the continent's football and fail to mention Kotoko. So this is definitely one big missing piece.
0: Yes, so the African Club Association being launched in December. A lot still to find out about it. We'll keep following uh, this story here on Planet Sport Football Africa, a show brought to you by Passion for Sport. Uh, Thanks, Ida. Well, now let's hear from Zimbabwe midfielder Marvellous Nakamba, one of the key players at newly promoted Luton Town. And Nakamba was on loan at Luton last season from Aston Villa, where he wasn't getting game time at all. And after the Hatters' promotion to the top flight, he signed a permanent deal. Uh, Luton are currently 17th. That's one place above the bottom three with a win and a draw from eight games. In this audio from Luton Town FC, Nakamba spoke about the fight for keeping their place in the Premier League
1: yeah, so I think we have to to take out more the positive ones and to stick together as a group. It's only us who can help ourselves, just to focus more, to keep up the momentum and to concentrate more, like to stay in it in the game more the basic ways and to keep on helping each other like as a team as a group we need to work more harder.
0: You are obviously a player with a lot of Premier League experience prior to to playing here. And um, what role do you play in helping bring the team back up again?
1: Yeah, of course. Like, I try to be there for the team to encourage each and everyone. We have to look out for the positives. We can only help ourselves by working hard, by helping each other, by not giving up as a team so I think also the culture of the club everyone to push each other to keep on pushing and believing like it is possible
3: You
0: mentioned the fans earlier they obviously saw a lot of winning last season Um, how much has their support been helpful for you guys?
1: I think it's been very very helpful throughout home and away and they push us and think now it's up to us as a group to to give them something defense, like to be there for the whole 90, 9500 minutes, like to be there for everyone. I think they are doing their part well, they are there for the club, they are there for the players, each and everyone. I think now us as a team, as players, we just have to put that extra gear as a team, as everyone and push each other and help each other like in more in positive way. And you obviously
0: were playing in the Championship with us last season and now in the Premier League this season. How have you found coming back to the Premier League again?
1: Yeah, of course, it is a dream to, to be in the Premier League and competing with the best week in, week out. This is what we want, this is what everyone dreams of in the club, this is what the club wants. So we just have to keep on competing and giving everything and keep on believing.
0: Well, that's Zimbabwe and Luton Town midfielder Marvellous Nakamba talking about uh, the battle to keep their place in the top flight. The audio from Luton Town FC. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa brought to you by Passion for Sport. Still to come, Stuart on Tottenham's great start to the season in the English Premier League and Arsenal's victory over Manchester City last weekend. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA and you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs too in our archive. To download the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Well, Let's go to social media now and last week we asked uh, should the Spurs versus Liverpool game be replayed? Uh, Liverpool manager Jürgen Klopp has said that the English Premier League game against Tottenham should be replayed after Luis Diaz's goal was wrongly disallowed by the VAR. Of course we said a replay is extremely unlikely to happen but uh, do you think that Klopp is correct to ask for a replay after such a clear error? And Afinia Lungu in Zambia says yes and in Ethiopia Daniel Hapt- Selassie says, yeah, to be fair, it should be replayed. Uh, Ayatunde Balogun in Nigeria says, "Uh, well, Klopp has a point, but rest assured the game won't be replayed. However, I trust Liverpool to keep challenging this season regardless, says Ayatunde. Philip in Uganda says there won't be a replay. Uh, Klopp should be patient and wait for another chance against Tottenham. Isaiah Ogbu in Nigeria says it will never happen and the VAR will continue making such wicked mistakes. Then Belong Baji in the Gambia says, "'Due to the apparent error by the match officials, "'which was crystal clear, "'I think there is a necessity for a replay.'" In Nigeria, Afolayan Oluwassen says, "'If this match is agreed to be replayed, uh, "'will the red card that was given there be reversed? "'Let's move on,' says Afolayan. Akintemi Akinyemi in Nigeria says, "'What kind of replay is that? "'Liverpool should accept their fate "'as others have accepted theirs.'" There can only be a replay if there is a rule in place before the occurrence that says a team is entitled to a replay, says Temi. And finally, in the Gambia, Usman Jatta says, I'm in solidarity with Liverpool on this, although replaying the match, I don't buy that. But the decision to suspend the VAR official who is in charge uh, was a welcome decision, says Usman. And uh, thanks very much to everybody who got in touch uh, with us uh, on that one. It's uh, always great to hear from you. Well now let's go to our European football expert Stuart Weir in the UK and uh, going into this international break uh, surprisingly on top uh, Tottenham on 20 points, the same as Arsenal and Manchester City are third on 18. Well great win that for Arsenal over Manchester City 1-0 last weekend. Stuart, uh,
3: how significant uh, was that result? Steve, I know you're going to tell me there's only eight games gone and that I need to calm down. But I think Arsenal's win over Manchester City was very significant, and significant beyond the three points. To start with, last season Manchester City finished five points ahead of Arsenal, the top two in the Premier League, and Manchester City beat Arsenal home and away. But had Arsenal managed to win just one of those games, they would have been champions, and in fact... The last 12 league games between Arsenal and Manchester City have all been won by City. So for Arsenal to end that sequence is very significant. Now, I always regard the community shield as a pre-season friendly, not to be taken too seriously. But at the start of this season, Arsenal won it, beating Manchester City, Okay, just on penalties, but another psychological win for Arsenal. There wasn't much between Arsenal and Manchester City last season, but if you compare the squads now and then, I think Arsenal are stronger than they were last season, but Manchester City are weaker. Arsenal's 100 million signing from West Ham, Declan Rice, has been the outstanding player. Well, last Sunday and beyond that. Arsenal have also signed Kai Havertz, Urian Timber, Manchester City, on the other hand, have lost Gundogan to Barcelona, arguably their best player last year. Riyad Maris has left. He was not always in the starting lineup, but what an incredible player to have in reserve. And a year or two back, I would have said that Kevin De Bruyne was the most influential player in the Premier League, but he's had so many injuries and he's currently not available. Put that all together, and I think Arsenal are stronger and Manchester City are weaker then last season. In fact, on Sunday, Manchester City only managed four attempts on goal in the entire game. Now, Steve, we talked a few weeks ago about Arsenal signing the Brentford goalkeeper David Rea on loan. We questioned why Brentford would let him go, why Rea would sign for Arsenal to sit on the bench. Well, Mikel Arteta's intentions have become clear, with Aaron Ramsdale starting the season as number one keeper, but Rea has played the last four Premier League games and the two Champions League games, suggesting that now he is the number one. Ironically, Ramsdale recently played 90 minutes for England in a friendly in September. England's number one, but Arsenal's number two. And what else made Arsenal's win very satisfying was that they were without Bukayo Saka, arguably their key attacking player. Saka was injured, bringing to an end a run of 87 consecutive league games. And Thomas Partey, Arsenal's Ghanaian midfield player, came off the bench and was involved in the build-up to the goal. There had been expectation that Partey would leave Arsenal in pre-season, so it's good to see him involved again. You could say that the international break has come at a bad time for Arsenal when their momentum is so high, and their next league game on the 21st of October is away to Chelsea. Now, a London derby is always tough, but you could say it's not a bad time to be playing Chelsea.
0: Indeed, well, yes, so maybe uh, this title race is going to be much closer than many people thought uh, at the start of the season. Um, so what about uh, Tottenham then, uh, Stuart? Top of the table, um, many of us wondered how they would do without Harry Kane and uh, with a new coach, and uh, they're doing great.
3: Well, absolutely. I don't think many of us would have predicted that Tottenham Hotspur would be top of the league come the beginning of October. Played eight, won six, drawn two, lost none. They're top on goals scored from Arsenal. Curiously, Arsenal and Tottenham have an almost identical record. Six wins, two draws, both of them 2-2. Equal on goal difference, but Spurs have scored more. As you say, when Harry Kane left and when they appointed Ange Postacoglu as their new manager, a manager with no experience in the Premier League, we feared that it could be a long and difficult season for Spurs. But they used to the transfer money well, signing James Madison and Mickey van der Ven. Now, I confess I knew very little about van der Ven. He's Dutch, signed from Wolfsburg in Germany, yet to play for his country. But I recently read a newspaper article arguing that there's that a strong case for him to be seen as the signing of the season so far. Madison is playing brilliantly, and their new Italian goalkeeper, Vicario, Looks very competent. And another factor is that Son Hyung min has found his shooting boots. Last season, he scored just 10 goals all year, but he's already got six at the beginning of October. And Postacoglu has been very consistent in his team selection, making only five changes all year. And now, last weekend was an interesting one for Spurs. They won 1-0 at Luton Town, playing the entire second half with 10 men, after Eve Basuma from Mali picked up two yellow cards. Sometimes you win by playing brilliant football. Sometimes you have to tough it out away from home and show character. And that's what Spurs did last Saturday. Steve, you love this. But if you're going to have a player sent off, Luton is the best place for it to happen because it's the smallest pitch in the Premier League, meaning there's less space for the other ten to cover. For example, at the Emirates, there's an average of 325 square metres per player. At Luton, only 315. And actually on that, another fascinating statistic I read is that there have been 19 red cards in the Premier League And during the time, clubs have been playing a man short. Overall, the clubs have scored nine goals and conceded eight. So perhaps it doesn't matter if you lose a man. Tottenham finished eighth last season, so they're not in any of the European competitions. But you know, that could be an advantage as they have less games to play and more time to prepare for their league games. So I think Spurs could be serious contenders. Well, we have to certainly uh, say
0: that they're in with um, a big chance after a great start to the season. Um, What about Manchester United, Stuart? Um, It's not been a good start uh, for them. Uh, What a dramatic victory over Brentford uh, last weekend and some feeling maybe this
3: could be a turning point for United. Well, Den Haag certainly says this has to be a turning point. Yeah, as you say, Manchester United beat Brentford after being behind for over an hour. And both goals came in stoppage time from an unusual source, both from Scott McTominay. And he didn't come on until the 87th minute. Now, there was speculation that McTominay wasn't going to feature in Den Haag's plans and that he would leave in the summer. And he's certainly been short of playing time up till now. But Casemiro seems to be struggling a bit. And, in fact, Casemiro was taking off at half-time last Saturday. And one might therefore see McTominay playing more. But two goals in stoppage time, Steve. Isn't that what they used to call Fergie time? As under Alex Ferguson, United used to score so many goals and win games late in the day. Steve, I know you love your statistics. So McTominay is the first substitute in the Premier League to come on as late as the 87th minute and score two goals. And curiously, he's the only player in the last 40 years to have scored two goals in the first three minutes of a game. And this is the second time that Manchester United have ever gone on to win a game which they were losing after 90 minutes. Remember the other one? The 1999 Champions League final. But I'm afraid it was another difficult afternoon for United's Cameroonian goalkeeper Andre Onana. He was really at fault with the Brentford goal, and that's the third major error by the new goalkeeper in the last month, adding to the pressure on him. Of course, every goalkeeper makes mistakes, but what puzzles me about Onana is that one reason given for him replacing David De Gea is United wanted a goalkeeper who was more comfortable with his feet and acknowledged weakness of De Gea. But Onana regards as a much better footballer than his predecessor, and his distribution this season has been really poor. And I remember talking to Tim Howard when he was the Manchester United goalkeeper about mistakes. He told me that Manchester United was such a big club that any small mistake that he made was greatly magnified. He told me as a player... He liked to go out for a coffee with his wife, but couldn't do that in Manchester because he'd be interrupted constantly by fans wanting to make positive or negative comments to him every couple of minutes. Something that Onana may have to get used to. Of course, this is just speculation, but I've read that Den Haag is considering leaving Onana out for a game or two just to relieve the pressure on him.
0: Well, we'll see after the international break. That'll be interesting.
3: And um, what else have you got for us, Stuart? Mosala, Steve, has made a great start to the season, scoring five league goals as well as creating four goals for his teammates. I mentioned last week that the Brighton manager, R- Roberto Zerbi had said that playing three matches a week, and remember that Brighton are in Europe this season, was quite a challenge to his squad. And in fact, I read that he has made more changes than any manager, 30 changes in all, compared to Tottenham's five this season. Luton Town are playing a style of football that suits them, and they have played already this season 654 long balls, more than any other club in the Premier League. Last Friday night, Steve, Birmingham City beat West Bromwich Albion to maintain their position in the top six of the Championship. And what was the reward for manager John Eustace? He was fired. And Wayne Rooney will succeed him as manager. Birmingham City is owned by an American consortium, including NFL star Tom Brady. And it's thought that they wanted a manager with a bit more of a big name than Eustace. Mason Greenwood's Hitafi are still unbeaten while he's been in the team. And last weekend, he got his first goal as they drew 2-2 with Celta Viga. That was his first goal for two years. And finally, Steve, congratulations to Cheltenham Town of League One on um, um, scoring. After 12 games, 1,029 minutes, 108 shots this season, they got their first goal last weekend to draw with Derby County.
0: Uh, Well, that was a long time coming. Thanks very much, Stuart. Uh, Before we go, just a reminder of our question on social media this week. What do you think about the Africa Cup of Nations draw, which was made on Thursday night? Uh, Senegal, Cameroon and Guinea all drawn together in Group C. Uh, Group E has got Tunisia, Mali and South Africa. So what do you think about the draw and which one do you think is the group of death? Uh, You can go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, and post a comment there or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero that's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Well that's it for the show for this week. So from me Steve Vickers in Zimbabwe, from Ida Waringa and from Stuart Weir, thanks a lot for listening and Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.